Tonight, um, I'm going to spend just a little extra time. I normally don't speak this, you know, I'm, I'm going to take a little extra time tonight because I feel like the message that I want to give you guys tonight is exactly where we're going with our prayer. We've been praying on Tuesday nights, those of you guys that have been coming out on Tuesday night, and then um, everywhere. I mean, the, the Baptist church, they're, they're praising and worshiping every single night. Uh, Pastor Mark, I know that they, he's committed to prayer. I, you know, he was telling me how God has been answering prayers. So I know. So um, here we've got the Baptist church. We've got the Nazarene church. I'm sure that we have every church represented here in our city. And God is calling us to be a people of prayer. See, but tonight I want to tell you about spirit-inspired prayer or revelation-driven prayer, or heaven-guided prayer, whatever you want to call it. We are living in desperate times, yet the church isn't desperate. See, we don't need to protest. We don't need better voting. We don't need better organizations. What we need is a new dimension of faith-filled, fiery, violent prayer. Did you hear me? I'm not, we don't need it. We don't need to be better organized. We don't need to go and, 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 and work up the Republican Party. What we need is people who will get on their knees and pray. Amen. See, how many times, even with what happened yesterday, we get all, everybody gets into a frenzy. Oh my goodness, are you seeing what's happening? How much time have we spent on our knees before the Lord on that very issue? See, in 1 John 5, 14, and 15, it says, Now this is the confidence we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we had asked of Him. See, we need prayer that can blast through the enemy's resistance. We need powerful and effective prayer. Prayer that pierces darkness, scatters the enemy, calls down heaven, and rattles the gates of hell. See, is I, our prayer answers don't always come immediate. See, most of the time when we pray, we're praying for the future. We're praying prophetically for what we want to see God do or what He's already told us He's going to do. Sometimes it's immediate. I love it when it's immediate. But sometimes it doesn't happen that way. Sometimes it takes time. See, this is the place. Not for the casual the cautious, or the callous. This is calculated, consistent, creative prayer that calls things from nothing. The casual church of Springville, I'm going to let you know, Pastor Mark, Pastor Billy, the casual church of Springville is coming to an end. The casual church of Springville that just says, well, we can just let it go, whatever happens, let's just be fun, let's just have a good time, is done. Because you're going to see it in our world. You're going to see it, what's happening in the world around us. And if we want to just sit back and have fun, you know what? We're not going to see anything change. I don't care how many protests we do. I don't care how many organizations we bring together. The only thing that's going to change it is God's power through His prayer. We must be a people of prayer. How else can we know what God wants us to pray for? What to stand on? What to focus on? What not to focus on? When to delay? When to proceed? We must hear Him. The, thr- thr- the primary thrust of this message tonight is hearing the ever-present pr- voice of the Lord, yet never neglecting the power of the written Word of God. 
This is spirit-inspired, revelation-driven, heaven-guided prayer that changes the dynamic dimensions and realms that we walk in. Prayer that brings heaven to earth. His world colliding with ours. Not just something we've heard about. Not just something we've, that people have told us about. But actually seeing those two come together. God speaks specifically His desires and His heart. I'm talking about something we have never seen demonstrated probably. Some of us have never seen it in action. Doubt and fear control my emotions. I'm not talking about emotion-driven prayer, but one that is birthed in the heart of God. God, change my circumstance. God, change these things around me. The very circumstance that you're in, the very thing that's going on around you, may be His design to bring you to prayer. See, we get upset about our country, yet yet the very thing that God is doing in the world right now is to calling us back and saying, Will you do it? 9-11 filled the churches, but it was only short-lived. See, if I spend all my time crying about my needs being met, I'm doubting His Word. Because He's already given me the promise. In Matthew 6.33, it says, For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. But your heavenly Father, He knows what you're in need of. He knows that you need all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus was saying this. Man! Did He understand us or what? See, without faith it is impossible to please God. Doubt in prayer will ensure that my prayer goes unanswered. Stop praying for things that He has already promised in His Word. He has already promised in Philippians 4.19 to supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. The very act of asking for God to meet my needs is is revealing the the lack of faith that I have that He's already going to do it. He promised it. Oh, please, God. No, he said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take care of you. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the seed begging for bread. See, sometimes our very prayer is the evidence of our doubt. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if God happens? See, the Bible reveals that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So doubt being in my heart revealed the abundance of what God was, was already going on in me. See, I am speaking unbelief unless I begin to speak the life of God. The Bible says in Proverbs 18.21, the power of life and death is in the tongue. The unbelief in my heart is manifesting as decrees of death over the very things I pray for. It would have been better that I didn't even pray at all. Mark 11.24 says, Therefore I say unto you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and and then you will have them. There's no begging, there's no coercing, there's no convincing, there's no doubting allowed in prayer. James 1.5, he says it like this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave that is driven on the sea, a sea driven and tossed by the sea wind. For, let that man suppose, for not let that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in his all, all his ways. Remember that prayer rhymes with declare. I hear God, and then I declare to the atmosphere. I declare to the situations. They must come into conformity with His will. 
It turns us from a position of defeat and passivity to a position of victory and spiritual violence against the enemy. Powerful faith. We change from being the afflicted to the afflictor. I have two cautions as I, as I bring this message tonight. Two cautions. We do not pray beyond our area of responsibility. I can't just go and say, God, stop all the abortions in the world. Bring it to, a clo- bring it to conclu- conclusion. It's not my realm of authority. No, I can pray, God, please send people. Bring a president. Bring people into our world that will begin to affect that, including myself. But I can't just go and pray, Lord, stop the mob from doing all the things that they're doing in this world. That's not my area of responsibility. But if my kids are serving the Lord, that is my area of responsibility. I can say, you know what, I can begin to speak the life of God over them. You know what, you will begin to know who Christ is. And I'm going to pray that whatever circumstance needs to take place in your life to get you into position, that's what I'm going to pray happens. We don't pray outside of our realm of authority. The second thing is, we pray for our leaders as God commands. It would be different if... Let me give you an example. If somebody had opened up a, a sex shop in town, that is our area of responsibility. It's in our city. It belongs to us. We can begin to pray over that circumstance. We can begin to pray over that situation. But only because we have the authority in that realm. We can't pray outside. If we begin to go pray out beyond our means, we're going to be attacked by the enemy and it opens the door to the enemy to attack us. Secondly, we can't pray out of selfish ambition, gain, pride, because then we're asking amiss. James 4.3 says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. When he says there, you ask with wrong motives, I looked up the the little word study, and the word there in the Greek is kakos. And it literally means sickness. It's it's, uh, interpreted throughout the the New Testament 16 times, and normally it's, it's, it's translated sickness or diseased. So he's saying there, you ask with diseased motives, with sick motives. Because you want to spend them on your own pleasures. And that word pleasures is hedon. Where we get the word hedonism. That's that He's saying here, that's why those prayers don't get answered. Because you're asking with sickness. You're asking with illness. Don't ask like that. Ask with a pure heart. I want clean hands and a pure heart before God. I want you to experience a so di- a dynamic prayer life that you will explode with power and favor. See, when I begin to talk about prayer, all of us, all of us, people, all of a sudden they begin to kind of shrink back. Oh, he's talking about prayer. I don't know if you want to be involved in that. It's boring. Doesn't sound fun. Sounds like work. Fasting, praying, worshiping, work. But God's calling us. He's he's dividing us even right now, the church. He's saying, those who He's whittling us down from those who really, 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 really like Him to those who will give all to Him. See, a soldier who is not prepared to die for his country is not fit for battle. Some of us would say tonight, well, I don't know if I need that, all that prayer you're talking about. You will. Some of you would say tonight, well, that doesn't really interest me. It will. 
See, today in America, we've moved away from the key element from my dynamic prayer life. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And I'm going to start with verse 13. Oop. There we go. Thank you, dear. When I shut up the heaven and there is no rain. God's talking to Solomon here. Or I command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among the people. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer made in this place. I, was really, I thought this was very interesting at the very end. We, we, we've heard this scripture before. But he says, God's saying, Now my eyes will see and my ears will hear. I looked that up in the, in, in the Old and New Testament. I was surprised at how many times God says He will open His eyes. Why is that? Why is it, why is it that God says He's going to open His eyes? Is he, is he sick and tired of what He's seen? That He has to actually close His eyes? You know that video at the very beginning about the Bibles in China and what we do in America. He's got to close His eyes. This first season that I'm talking about tonight in prayer is a season of repentance. I will be taking us through four seasons of prayer. This first season is, a re- is repentance. It is difficult for some of us to press through, but it is the most critical time we will spend. The reason many people's prayer life is so frustrated is because the necessary sacrifice of time hasn't been made. Pressing into a place of repentance results in a lot of time being sp- made undone before our Father. If we humble ourselves, pray, and seek, we will discover God's favor. Seeking takes time. Asking takes time. Knocking takes time. Lengthy prayer simply must be a normal reality on a continual basis if we desire to break through to the heart of God. Billy's wife was telling me she heard a a sermon. I think it was down in Porterville. And I think it was something to the nature of this. One person, one minute, one time a day. That's all we need. Hogwash! <laughs> I'm telling you right now, if we, you know what, the reason this pastor probably said that is because he couldn't get anybody to pray. He couldn't get people to be stirred up to pray. We can get stirred up to do a lot of things, but we can't be stirred up to pray. See, what, he was, what I'm saying today is, listen, we don't need one minute, one person. We need to be on our knees continually. It needs to be like praying, like the Bible says, praying without ceasing. Any unnecessary delay puts us in a position where we get to stay in that place where we pray. God is calling it. Every church, He says, my house will be called a house of prayer. Psalms 34, 17 says, The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. If we go to a deeply expressive place of repentance, in desperation, in desire, and longing for our lover, our lover will hear us. He will open his eyes. If our heart is broken, he is near to us. But see, we want instantaneous microwave prayer. See, God desires the kind of prayer that looks like it in a slow cooker. 
or a pressure cooker, or a deep pit. Look at Daniel chapter 10 verse 12. He says there, he says, as you begin to pray, he says, I gave my attention to the Lord and I began to pray with supplications and fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And the Bible says that he was, he was delayed for 21 days. Now what if Daniel had just said, well, you know what, my microwave prayer didn't work and I'm done right here. No, he continued. He knew that perseverance in prayer was what God was looking for. See, so many times our prayers are thrown up to heaven almost in passing without any brokenness at all. And we wonder why God isn't responsive to the way that He is in the Word of God. Half-hearted prayers are just that. They don't have a course. They fall to the ground. See, if we give attention to what gets God's attention... Seeking, asking, knocking, fasting, repenting. That's what Daniel said in 9.3. He says, So I gave my attention to the Lord. So I gave my attention to the Lord. See, so many times, the Lord, we always say, Oh, he's, he's, His attention's on us. No, He's saying, listen, what you need to do, get your attention on me. Yeah. Fix your eyes upon me. In fact, that word there, He says, where He, gets, he, says, he says, give my attention, it actually means, it's a re- resolute. It's saying, I fixed my eyes. And then he says, with prayer and supplications, with fasting, sackcloth and ashes. Sackcloth and ashes is representative of repentance. See, we often hear people yelling at the top of their lungs. When I go over to the Baptist church and the young people are over there worshiping, they're yelling at the top of their lungs, God, I need you. Come into my life like never before. Please, fire of God, burn my flesh, consume me. I'm desperate. I'm giving up the things of the world. I'm not just talking about an an emotional commitment. Because that's what many of us think. Oh, he's just talking about an emotional thing. No, because then we can just dismiss it. Look at Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions. Now you're going to see this over and over again. Prayers and supplications, prayers and petitions. There's, There's a difference and we have to be able to fix our eyes on God so we can get a hold of what these two things are. With fervent cries or vehement cries. I think the the King James Version says, Vehement cries and tears with the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. In Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 1, On the 24th day of the, the same month, the Israelites gathered together fasting and wearing sackcloth and putting dust on their heads. Those of the Israelites' descent had separated themselves from all the foreigners. They stood in their places and confessed their sin and the sins of their ancestors. They stood where they were and they read from the book of the law of the Lord, their God, for a quarter of the day. One person, one minute, one time a day. Can you accept that, Lord? Is that enough? For a quarter of the day. And then they spent the next quarter of the day in confession and worshiping the Lord. Standing on the stairs of the Levites, where I'm not going to read all their names, they cried out with loud voices to the Lord their God. See, we must be willing to be free from our unwitting alliance with the enemy. We don't want to be lukewarm. We don't want to be arrogant. We don't want to be insecure, suspicious, or defeated in any way. The season of repentance causes us to be emptied. The season of repentance, deliverance happens in that time. 
I was thinking that we had already passed this season, and then I realized, no, you know what? We're still in that season. God's calling us to continue to repent for the sins of our fathers. Well, what does that have to do with anything? Because I want to cut off any generational thing that could come into my life. I don't want to be able to walk in those things, the sins of my father. I want those things cut off. I want to know where I'm going. I want to be planted, and I want to keep going in the right direction. See, this lines up with Jesus' prayer. In the, His prayer, He says, Forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors and deliver us from the evil one. There you go, right there. He's asking for repentance, forgiving those around us, and then He says, Deliver me from the evil one. This is where that happens. It's in that place of repentance where I get so empty, where there's nothing left of me but just Jesus. See, there's times at the beginning of our service and you'll hear me just saying, anything that's not Jesus must go. Anything that's not Jesus cannot stay. Anything that's not Jesus can have no place in my life. See, I don't want there to be anything. You know, as we walk during this life, there's dust and there's... There, you know, I was... Even last week when we were, we were singing that song about breathing God in, breathing the breath of God in. You know what? We breathe so much stuff out here in this, the filth of this, the air. Physically, but also spiritually. God, take it out of me. Get it off of me. I want to be free and walk in freedom with you. That's what repentance does. I'm going to try to get through one more season here. It's a season of consecration. This is a season, this is a time of adoration, worship, and in becoming aligned as perfectly as possible with Christ. This is raw worship. This is the young people at the Baptist church just crying out to God with no agenda. As we find ourselves empty after the previous season of repentance, we find ourselves wanting to be full of the supernatural fire of God. See, God is closer than ever. Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. This second season is critical. If we are to clearly hear from God in the next season that's coming, we must find ourselves emptied of past sins, issues, mindset, character defects, where we can simply say to God, Father, send me. Instead of desiring to warm our flesh by the fire of God's presence, we lay our bodies as living sacrifices directly on the fire and cry out, God, consume us. And then what happens? A bonfire begins. As individuals come together who are on fire, who have one agenda, Him. We tell, we tell God that our lives are in His hands. If He desires for us to be martyred, then we will do it. Whatever He wants, we want. Whatever He does, we want to do. Our lives are no longer our own, but we are surrendered to God. We are consecrated to Him. We are excited about what God can do through a completely yielded vessel. This season is marked by a lot of excitement and wonderful freedom. See, the result of eliminating all the baggage of this bunch of... There's a bunch of extra room for God to impart and, and, and to operate in our lives. The Spirit of God literally fills us up to overflowing. And we are suddenly putty in His hands. See, 
We fast in this season. We give up things in this season. We consecrate ourselves. Our adhesion to Him becomes like cement and glue. Where He goes, we go. We're attached to Him. He cannot be, we cannot be separated from Him. There's no gap in between us. We may go for a couple hours in this season. We'll worship, weep, experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We'll pray boldly in tongues. We'll continually break into His presence and fall deeper and deeper in love with Him. It's simply amazing. Now that that old man is crucified and the Spirit of God blowing like the wind in us and through us, it becomes very easy for us to hear His voice. We capture His dreams and His desires for our lives. See, lining up with Jesus' prayer again, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Hallowing His name is consecrating. That's when it's birthed, is in that consecration before Him. You guys let me go a little longer? I don't normally do this, but I'm gonna, I can think I can finish up, alright? Revelation, a season of revelation. This is where we begin to listen to the voice of God as He shares, his, he shares it with us. Confirmation by witnesses. We don't, we're not out on our own. We're not just saying, I heard, of, I heard God, and we're not having somebody to confirm it with. You go to, if Pastor Mark is your pastor, you know what, when you hear from the Lord, you go, Pastor Mark, what do you think about this? What do you think about where I'm going? He may say, you know what, no, I think we need to wait on that a little while. No, he may say, jump on that. That's the Spirit of God moving. I don't know how many times I've had somebody come up to me. Billy's done that. He's, he said, hey, you know what about this, Greg? What do you think? I said, let's do it now. That God's speaking it right now. That's the Word of the Lord for us right now. Let's walk in that right now. Let's don't hold back. Let's don't wait. Let's do that. But there's confirmation in that. I'm not just a little island out here. I can do my own thing. I'm just living for Jesus. Letting the revelation flow. No. Make sure we understand that. There is, we have to submit. We have to walk in submission to those who are in authority over us. I see it like this at times. We feel like we're blind. And we're like walking with our hands out. God, is that you? God, is that you? Is that you? And we keep going, Jesus, is this you telling me what to do? Are you, are you leading me, guiding me? Jesus, is that you? That's how we have to be at times. We have this, you know, sometimes we walk, when we're walking by faith and not by sight, that spiritual sight is the only thing that will give us the direction. Because our physical senses will mess us up. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Verse 1 says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Some, as, as we go through this venture, as you begin to really get a hold of God, as you begin to pursue God, as you begin to spend time with Him, not just one minute, one second, one day, I mean time with God. All of a sudden, He begins to just express Himself. He shares Himself through pictures and expressions, through dreams and visions. He speaks clearly. If we're listening. To prophesy is simply to, to hear what God says and repeat what He says. I don't have to go make something up. I don't have to go and, and do something spectacular and go, look at this, watch me, woohoo. No, he's, that's what happened in the Bible. It says Elijah said that he was a man just like us and God told him, says, it's not going to rain for seven years. So he went and repeated that. It's not going to rain. 
Wow, that was a big, bold... It was bold because that's where his faith was put into action. Because he listened and he heard what God was saying. He said, I'm going to do that. One pastor spoke of a little girl who was in his, his prayer meeting. He was having extreme pain all over his body, especially in his shoulders. And this had been going on for months and months and months. And as they began to pray, as they began to fast, as they began to seek the heart of God, all of a sudden this little girl had this picture and she went up and she shared it with the pastor. She says, I saw this, this little voodoo doll in the cave. And I saw something just poking it. And every single time it would get poked, he would wince in pain. God showed them and gave them the direction on how to pray, how to strategically pray. I'm talking about us praying with pinpoint accuracy. I'm talking about us praying with a revelation from heaven. Not just blind prayers. Yeah, we can do that. We can gather in a circle and we can blindly pray and say, Lord, do these things. But you know what? I'm talking about praising, uh, praying with a laser-guided uh, emphasis where we know exactly what the target is because we've heard from Him. we spent time in the, the secret place with Him and He shared His plan his dreams, his hopes, his battle plans with us. And now we can pray that. We don't just pray blindly and wildly. We pray the, the will of God because we've heard the will of God. He's told us in the secret place. But it all doesn't happen unless we spend time with Him. See, we are this living experiment. God is taking us by the hand and teaching us about revelation-driven prayer. Spirit-inspired prayer. In this place is where God downloads His battle plans. It is here that we receive His laser point instructions and we can know His heart, His mind. No longer will I pray if it be Your will, Father. I now pray with execution because... He has shown me His will. See, that's the difference. We can play, pray this other way, but it's not as effective. But when we pray with that laser-guided... The Lord says, listen, here's how I want you to pray over this situation. You see that circumstance that you're going through, Greg? I placed that in your life because I was trying to rub off some rough edges. Well, Lord, I'm over here praying against it. Yeah, you're praying against my will. See, that's how we operate. God said, listen, I, played, I planted that there for you so that you would grow up. Instead, you're praying against it. Pray against the hand of God. See, when we pray with execution now, we simply execute the instructions God has revealed to us as He's revealed them to, to us in that prayer time. Our ability to hear from Him clearly, it, is, it causes us no longer to pray those misses. We can pray. We can come into perfect agreement with God. We can look at the spirit of infirmity with the eyes, with our eyes and supernatural confidence and cast it out. We pour ourselves out. We spend time, spend hours in the presence of God. Hear His voice and then we war in the spirit. Miracles that are then expected. They're very regular and they are become the result. How is that? Well, in John 15, 7, it says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. By, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so that you will be my disciples. I want to encourage you to pray out in your prayer life after this. To spend time with God. To encourage yourself in Him. To ask God, what is on your heart today, God? What is it that you're saying? What is it that you want to say to me? What is it that you want me to do? See, we'll find ourselves exhilarated in prayer when we do pray like this. This other way... 
Yeah, it, it's, it's rough. Well, Lord, if it's your will that you want to change Springville, let it happen. Or instead, the Lord says, you know what? I desire to come and bring revival to this city. I desire to come and change lives, transform them from the inside out. Not just to be a Sunday morning Christian, but to be a Christian who walks that through every single day of the week. Who knows me? See, that's how we can pray because we have that. I know that that's what God wants to do. He's promised us that. See, when our, the cry of our heart is to discover the cry of God's heart, Life in the invisible realm ramps up powerfully. I believe the prayer movement will become a thrill ride. It won't just be this dead thing that we've all, we've all seen in the past. I'm telling you guys, I know of things that are coming in the future. They're already revealed. You're gonna, we're going to be astounded. We are going to be astounded when we see the things that God has done. You remember M- Manchester in the movie Appalachian Dawn and how they began to pray and they cried out to God? The things that happened and the things that happened in the, in the police realm and the, and the things that happened in their city. I'm telling you, we are, you're going to see that in this realm right here. You're going to see it. Ephesians chapter 5 says, Then be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You know I'm crazy, and I'm going to share this with you, and Billy's going to laugh at me. It was 12 years ago, I was, I was, I was just, I was, I was, just fire was burning in me. And I remember someone coming to the church and, and talking about how they had been praying for healing and they saw God heal and, and they, that these young people that actually would sit outside the emergency room door and pray for people as they'd come in. So this wild highway patrolman, not in uniform of course, went down to Cuya Delta Hospital. Now I don't advise this for you, okay? I began to walk the halls. I said, Lord, there's got to be somebody here that needs to be prayed for. And I began to walk up and down those halls. And I said, you know what, God, there's somebody. Somebody here needs prayer. Somebody in this, this building needs prayer. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, hospitals really don't like this because they make their living on fixing people. They don't really want people to be healed. So, again, when I say this to you, I'm not telling you go out and do this, but I'm just telling you this is what I did. And I remember I came upon a young man who had brain cancer. And I think his name was Kevin. And I remember walking in and his family said, yeah, pray for him. And so I prayed over him. Now Billy, <laughs> Billy says, well, was he healed? <laughs> no, I don't know that. I don't know that he was healed. But I know this, I was obedient to what God wanted me to do. See, sometimes the key isn't whether or not we see the result it's whether or not God will see, will we do what He's asked us to do? Will we step into that position where He's asked us to do it? See, when I pray with human insight alone, we're simply not as efficient as we can be when God gives us a revelation on how to pray. Prayer is all about agreement. I need to pray in agreement with the heart of God. Some of you tonight would say, well, you know what, Greg? I, know, I, just, I can't get up and pray. I just, I, I, I'm not comfortable with that. Okay, that's okay. You know what? God's looking for yes men. 
Now, I don't mean like yes men, like we think about board members and stuff like that. I'm talking about yes men who, when the Spirit of God speaks, when you know that the, the Word of the Lord is being spoken and it's being prayed, you say yes. That's all you have to do, is you come into agreement. Your spirit, you can almost see it in the spirit realm. You can see it saying, yes, I come into agreement with that. I, and then that's, that's where power is, 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 is erected at that place. That's where power begins to, to blossom, because as we pray and we say, we come into agreement. The Bible says where two or three agree, right? When we come into agreement, we say, God, I come into agreement with what he's saying there. You know what? Over Springville, churches come alive. You know what? This little school come alive by the Spirit of God. You know what? I remember three years ago when we began to pray here at Ignite, we had 50% of our kids there couldn't get through the 8th grade because they couldn't graduate. They're graduating almost everybody which, except with the exception of maybe one or two now. See, as we begin to pray, as we begin to get a hold of God, things change. God's calling us to stand in the gap. But if I'm focusing on something else, I can actually be misaligned with where God wants me to go. So I say this, start off like this. This is how I did it. You know what? I, I, I said, you know what? I'm going to be an agreeer. And as, as he's praying, yes, yes, I come into agreement with that. Yes, yes, I come into agreement with that. This, my, spirit, my spirit is in agreement with that right there. Yes, that's where we're going to... Yes, Lord, I believe that's what you want to do in this, this, this place. I believe that's what you're saying in this hour. And when we come into agreement, maybe you aren't the big... You can't just or, oracle these things out like Pastor Mark. You can't just speak those things out like that. That's okay. You know what? We just come into agreement. We say, yes. Yes, Lord. Because why is that? Because 1 Corinthians one twenty five. Oops. Let me read these two real quick. Job, can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. See, God's wisdom is greater than mine. I will be, if I begin with just a list of petitions, I really circumvent what God wants to do. He wants me to worship, humble my heart, repent, pray, pray in tongues, pray until I wait for Him to hear Him speak so He can download into me what His heart is saying. Let me say that one more time. See, I don't begin with just a list of petitions. I will worship. I will continue to worship. I will humble my heart. I will repent. I will pray in tongues. I will pray before the Lord. I will wait until I hear Him speak so He can download into me what His heart is saying in this hour. 1 Corinthians one twenty five says, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Let me close there.